0: It's good to be with you this morning. We're going to continue our series, Big Story and Big Calling. And when we talk about the big story, I mean, you need to think about the overarching biblical story of human history. From the creation of the world to when Jesus comes back to make all things new. Okay? That whole story. And there are four parts to it, right? So I want you to repeat the four parts to me after I say them. Ready? Creation. Creation. Fall. Fall. Redemption. Redemption. Restoration. Restoration. Good job. People mix up the R's a lot of times. I know that's hard, but We mix them up sometimes. But this is the story of the Bible. It's the foundation of Christianity. This is where we find our significance. It's where we find our purpose. It's where we find hope. It's where we find forgiveness. It's where we find all of these different things that Jesus has done for us. And it's in this story that all of our stories are part of. Right? It's the meta-narrative. It's the narrative that all of our stories help make up and when i talk about calling i mean i think about life purpose right and every single one of you and me have different ones okay we have different stories and our calling is to make known something unique about god that's bound to your story no one else's story will tell it like yours and my urging is to do the work of trying to figure it out. What is it about my story that, I, that God wants to tell? And that God wants to tell through me about him. So through our calling, uh, we also reveal God through our character. So it's so much more than just your job, okay? It's your character, it's who you are. Okay, so that's a big story and a big calling, and that's why your story matters. So why don't we pray together before we look at God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you're a God who does not remain distant, but pursues us. You've given us your word so that we might know more about you, more about ourselves, more about the way that you have saved us and redeemed us, and how you are working restoration in our lives today, and one day, someday, you will finish it. We long for that day. We find hope in that day. Would you please bless our time this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit? Amen. Anybody familiar with this? I mean, I know you know the guy, that's George Washington, but this is a famous portrait. It's the Athenaeum portrait. I might have said that wrong, but it's okay. It's from 1785, and it's Gilbert Stewart's portrait of George Washington. And it became very popular because he was a popular painter. And it became popular that he decided, I'm going to stop working on this. I'm going to go make 130 copies and sell them for $100 each. And he did in 1795. That's a lot of dough in 1795, right? Like, I, I don't even know how much that would be. But it's so much. And you see this guy, uh, Stewart, he, he paints the portrait of George Washington. He's painting the image of George Washington onto this painting, But what else is interesting about this painting is that this is the picture used on the $1 bill, right? So with this, I mean, it's kind of weird. It's like Inception kind of, because it's like George Washington has his image on a portrait, and then the $1 bill is made in the image of that portrait, so you see how Uh, Just this famous portrait is, is the image of George Washington on this portrait that never got finished, actually, and on the $1 bill. And the reason that I tell you that is because I want you to know that you are made in someone's image too, okay? You are made in someone's image as well. Verse 26 of Genesis 1 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So he makes us in his image, and when he does that, he's telling you who you are. This is who you are. You are one of mine. You are one of mine. You are made in my image. And I want you to recognize that there is no hierarchy with it, right? Like Christians and non-Christians were all made in the image of God. You can be a different religion. You can be a different political view, a different sexuality, you can be different in anything, but every human being on the earth is made in the image of God. That's who you are. And you have to think about, like, when you represent somebody, you represent what they stand for, and you represent purposes that they uh, value. So what you do matters. And it matters to that person that you're made in the image of. And so you think about the the bigger story. You think about the intention of it, right? How God created the world, and it was very good. And yet humanity rebelled against him, and sin and evil came in and shattered that goodness. But it's not totally gone, right? The Messiah is promised, and then finally comes Jesus, and he dies on the cross, Pays the penalty for our sins, redeeming us. That's the redemption part, right? And by him being resurrected, he's the first fruits of what we're going to look like in redemption, I mean, in restoration. See, even I messed it up. In restoration, like Jesus. And so you just look at that, that's, that's the story that, he, that God wants. He's working towards this perfection. He's working towards healing and flourishing in this final act of restoration. And we're in between these two R's, okay? We're in between redemption and restoration. But what you do now matters because parts of it will carry on into restoration and forever. And this morning, I want us to look at, surprise, three things. I want us to look at, how, because we we're made in God's image, our identity, our calling, and I'm not telling you the third one yet, it's a mystery. Okay? They have to be grounded in the creator, in the creator's story. Okay? So first, identity. 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 We're made in the Creator's image. We know that. He gives us callings. But we're to discover what our personal calling from our stories are. And listen, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? God cares more about who you are than what you do. I'm not saying He doesn't care about what you do, He does. But God cares more about who you are. In what you do, because what you do is based out of who you are. And in verse 26, you see, that's the first one, God, the creator, saying, let us make man in our image after our likeness, made in the image of God, like mirroring who he is on his creation, Right? And really, to to truly like know ourselves and know okay, what's the image of of God look like? Then we got to look at God, right? God, and we talked about last week how um, God is this. Uh, there, geez, <laughs> we talked about how work is godly, and how in creation God worked, and how it was good, and we looked at how. The creator God was... um, Well, let me back up. I got ahead of myself. So yes, we're given this identity, and it's not self-constructed, right? We have this identity about being made in the image of God. And we're made in the image of our creator, male and female, right? But because of the fall... We find our identities in other things, right? I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. I find my worth in how I do up here, how I treat my kids, how nice I am to my wife, what some of y'all think of me, right? We find these identities in all these other things, in our money, in our reputation, in our performance, in our jobs, in our kids. And our theology and being the one who's always right. But Tim Keller says this. He says, if your foundation is found in something other than God's image, success will go to your head and failure will go to your heart because it's never secure. You will always have to continue to prove yourself. Right? If I find my identity in how I preach this sermon, I go, oh man, I just made a huge error. I got way ahead of myself. I'm terrible. I'm a horrible person. I'm a horrible pastor. Hopefully next week I can do better, and then I'll feel better about myself. No. I have an identity in Jesus, in Jesus alone. I have an identity as being an image bearer of God. That is who I am. And I'm part of his story. And you see that significance there. And so there's, there's honor and dignity and meaning and love in an identity that the creator God gives us. Okay? So second, calling. We're made in the creator, creator's image. Our calling must be grounded in creation. I'm sorry, creator and his story. So calling, we're made in the creator's image, and he gives us calling. But you and I have to discover our personal callings from our story, because like I was saying, God cares more about who you are than what you do. Look at verses 26 and 27. And God blessed them, and God said to them, this is Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all these different things, you know, the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth, right? We're made in the image of God, who's the creator. And when we, when we think about being made in the image of God, we want to know, well, whose image is that? Like, what does that mean? And you need to go back to creation to see God, And you see in creation what he did, right? You see in creation how he was creating and how he was playing and how he was delighting and how he was a provider and how he was an artist and how he's an author. All these different things that God is. And it's our calling to reveal that in our character and in our stories. It's it's our calling to reveal that in who we are. Okay? So question is, who says this? Who says this in the Bible? Who's talking here? I'm going to go back to verse 26 and 27. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness." Right? And people say, this is the first mention of the Trinity. Father, Son, Spirit, and Scripture. And so if we, are, if we are created in the image of a God who has perfect relationships and is a perfect community, do you know that, what that means for us? It means that we need to be a community of love like them, of caring, of helping each other, of listening to each other, telling each other I see you and I see your pain. To tell each other you're not alone. My heart is breaking too. You're not alone. And so we're made in that image and you're not you're not designed to go solo. I always tell my wife, I want to be Jason Bourne, so I don't need anybody. She's like, Jesus didn't even do that. I'm like, all right, you're right again. So collectively, though, we're called to be this fruitful community. We're called to help each other fulfill our callings. And so that's kind of a collective calling, but thinking back again to our personal callings, personal callings, and those are our stories, right? And we are stories. We were made up of millions and millions of stories that we forget, uh, you know, most of them. But there are stories in our past that have shaped who we are right now. Both good stories and bad stories. Stories of goodness and stories of pain. And so the question then is, how, how are you going to handle the stories of your past, right? Because it's helpful. I spent a lot of money going up to Seattle and getting trained at the Allender Center to learn about calling and th- this whole story work idea, so I'm going to put it to use, right? The idea that we are stories, we need to examine our stories and look back at, well, what are the stories that define me? What are the great stories that define me? What are the hard stories that define me that I've said, I will never, ever let that happen again, or I will never, ever do that again? And it shapes who you are today. And I know people are like, oh, David, why would I bring up the past? Like, the past is the past, just move on. Like, I'm not bringing up hard stories, that's painful. I don't don't wanna do that. Well, I would say, okay, well, I think that if you're unwilling to explore your past, you're gonna miss out on finding healing From those stories, you're going to miss out on discovering your calling because God uses the goodness of stories in your past and He uses the painful ones as well. And God wants to use all of those there and He wants. He does not want you to miss out on making meaning of your past stories, making meaning especially of the painful ones, because He can use those as well. And those help discern who you are and who your story is and who you uniquely are and how you're different than everybody else. And as you look back at these stories, each of us will look back at our stories and start to see themes of beauty and brokenness of goodness and pain, and when we explore them, God wants to meet us there and bring healing and take away your shame and help you figure out your calling. One of my favorite quotes that's up on my wall, it says, by a poet named Robert Bly. I have the source of my quote this week. Uh, It says, "Where where a man's wound is, that is where his genius will be. Where his wounds lie, there he finds his gift to the community. We are called to examine what our calling is. And like I said, each of us are unique. We're all different. And as God says, you're created in my image, it's like we're little creators too, right? We're his little minions running around made in his image. He wants us to create things like he did, create blessing, to be fruitful, right? He calls us to co-create. He calls us to look at our past and help find healing. Look at our past and help find wholeness and look at our past and help find our calling. All right, third one. This one was the mystery one, right? We're made in God's, we're made in the creator's image. Our work must be grounded in the creator's story. Big surprise, huh? And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and all the other animals. Right? Think back to Genesis 1-1. God created the world. He created everything. That's the beginning of the biblical story where God worked. And he made us in his image, and we're in the image of a God who works. And our work is shaped by the creator it's shaped by the biblical story the creator designed us to work look at 2:15 this is the very bottom it says the lord god took the man and he put him in the garden of eden to work it and to keep it god created a world that needed someone to take care of it and this is before the fall so he designed us to work he designed us to care for his things. And then you see in verse 28, which is the top one, how he's also the author who commands. He tells us what to do. And he gives us his things and he says, look, be fruitful. Multiply. Be a blessing to other people is what he's saying. Take care of my stuff and make it beneficial. Right? Right? And he wants us to work to the same goal that he has. And so, again, we're these little like sub-creators that are working, and hopefully we're working towards the same goal that he has. Well, what's the goal? Well, you see, it says, be fruitful. So being fruitful is what he wants for you. But then think about the bigger picture working towards restoration. He wants restoration in your life. He wants you to experience restoration. And that's why we run around as co-creators working toward the same goal. We use our creativity and we use our gifts and we use our skills to point to God and point to his story and point to who he is as creator. And now let me ask you something. Why does a tree grow fruit? Why does a tree grow fruit? For itself? Nope. For other people. Right? So when he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, when he says, be fruitful, that's just not for you. He's saying, I want you to be fruitful so that you can bless everybody else as well. You be fruitful so that other people can experience blessing just like you. God's goal is to have an entire planet filled with his little co-creators who, are, who all know him and who all care and create like him. And you have to think, God left untapped potential in the creation. And he created man and said, go take care of it, make it fruitful, have some kids and have more workers, right? And he's saying, there's untapped potential so that we can go and use our gifts to cultivate it and unlock that potential, okay? Unlock that potential. And the way that we do that is that we do it through our work. Your work, your vocation is to work toward His goal of the final restoration, work towards His goal of being fruitful, of showing goodness, Showing the goodness of God to others. And think about the biblical concept of work. It is a vehicle for God's developing world. Now, let's zoom back out for a second and think about the big story. Okay? Genesis 1 and 2, they're in a garden. Right? And then things get messed up, and he starts to make it better in redemption. But then in a restoration, Revelation 21 and Revelation 22, talk about a city. So between the bookends, there's development. Through the bookends, there's change. And yet, they're also restored. What's being restored in Revelation 21 and 22 is God's presence amongst his people walking with his people in perfection, walking in with his people in flourishing, walking with his people in fulfillment. And that's our, our goal for, for our work, is to work towards his goal of restoration, of fruitfulness. Okay? Now, to give you a little bit more specifics about work, There's a book in the New Testament called Titus. It's about three chapters long. (laughs) Not about. It's three chapters long. (laughs) And it talks about... It's it's Paul talking to younger Timothy, and he's talking about what does it look like to respond to God's grace with an emphasis on work. So you can go ahead and read, read about it this afternoon. It won't even take you that long. But in Titus... Throughout the book, these, these emphases, these values of, of work come up again and again and in, in different places of the book. And kind of the, if you kind of categorize them together, there's working with respect, working with self-control, working with integrity, working with authority and duty, and then I added, and working with love. Right? These are the values that you work toward. These are the biblical values that God is calling you and saying, hey, I want you to use these things so that we can get to restoration, so that we can get to the end of the story, so that you can tell everyone else something about my goodness that's unique to your story and is important and why it matters. I like this story probably because he's a smart aleck, but Martin Luther was once approached by a working man, and he wanted to know how could he best serve the Lord. And Martin Luther said, well, what do you do? He said, what's your work now? What do you do? And the man replied, I'm a shoemaker. And much to the cobbler's surprise, Luther replied, then go make a good shoe and sell it at a fair price. Use your work and do it well. Pay a fair price. Like, be fair and loving to other people. Like, God intends your work to contribute to restoration, to contribute to what he's doing, to the story that he is writing, and he's saying, I want you to join me in it. Participate with me. Let's co-author this together. Right, And we can walk with God through His Spirit, or we can go walk off by ourselves and go towards our own goal. All right, I'm going to come and show you what I got to do a couple weekends ago. I, if you're on social media and you're my friend or something, um, you will have already seen this. So spoiler alert. Um I went to a workshop uh, last weekend. It it was a kintsugi workshop, and I I know a lot of you are very familiar with this concept, or this um, 400-year-old Japanese craft, right, they take broken pottery, and they mend it back together, and it's supposed to be more beautiful for having been broken and repaired than it was originally. See, there's beauty out of brokenness right there. And here's what happened. I got a mug, that's my mug. After I got a hammer, I did put a towel over it and like hit it. And then I was like, oh no, I hit it too hard. Like Hulk smash, why? But the Kintsugi guidance, the expert was like, no, you're fine. I was like, okay, good. So I took this mug, and I had to figure out how all the pieces got back together. And then I had to take the special glue, and I had to glue it all back together. And then I had to evenly mix these two kinds of putty, make sure that they were even, equal parts, and put it over everywhere that there was glue. Okay? Everywhere that had been broken, I had to cover it with this putty. And then take this wet Sandpaper, and you have to go sand down the putty to make sure that it's flat and even. And if you have any of your pieces not glued 100% correctly, which I had one at the top, you gotta build over that, right? And it was a lot of work. It took me like two hours just to do the, the, the gluing and the putty part. I don't know, to me that seems like a long time, but it might not be to you, but anyway. I got to take this thing, and I mixed together this, it's not, it's not really gold, but it's gold copper, and I'm, I had to mix this gold copper powder with the lacquer and make sure that it was equal parts as well, and then I had to take a paintbrush, and I had to go paint everywhere that I had put the putty, and I'm trying to restore it. I'm trying to make it look good again, and I just keep asking because, you know, like I'm a perfectionist and I struggle with that, and I'm like, teacher, is, is this okay? Like, t- tell me I'm okay, right? and I'm putting it together, and I finally finish all of my work, and then I see it, and I see it restored, and I see where it was broken, and you see the little circle there of, gold, of black in the middle of the bigger gold circle. That was where I had lost a really big piece, and I didn't have the piece of the mug to fill it, and so I had to I had to work really hard on that part right there. And my point in this, in telling you this story, is not to brag about what I've done, but this is a is an example and an illustration of restoration. It's an example of what God is doing in your life, what God is doing in the world, what God is doing in the biblical story, and in our whole meta-narrative. He's working towards restoration. He's working towards restoration. So let me talk about this. As we jump forward to the New Testament we look at Jesus, we see that he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now when it says firstborn, don't think chronologically like, oh, he's the oldest kid. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about how Jesus was resurrected and then now has a perfect body and has ascended to heaven, but he's the first fruit of this restoration that we're going towards, and his resurrection sealed that. So he was the perfect image bearer. That was his life. He lived perfectly what an image bearer was supposed to do and be. And if you're a believer, that's what he is working to make you. He's working to make you into the image of Jesus. This is what the author is working towards. And the invitation is, come participate with me by following me, by listening to what I tell you as your creator, God. Participate with me by doing courageous stuff, and doing bold things, but in wisdom and love. Right? He's saying, I, I want you to work towards this goal. And the resurrected Jesus, is just a little preview of the future restoration. And then you see verses 19 through 20. It says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, Jesus, to reconcile. Well, Jimmy would be happy, because if you go look at the Greek, that word can be translated differently. It It can also be translated to restore. And through him to restore, reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Right? Like, his work is this goal of restoration. His work is to come and make things right again, and we are to work in that same way. And, you know, as I think about, you know, I'm asking you... To co-author with God, and you know, I was thinking about that this week, and thinking, just okay, well, what does that mean? Do I even know what I'm challenging them to do? (laughs) You know, and I've been asking myself, what do do I need to change in my life to work towards restoration, or maybe I'm just coasting, or maybe, maybe I don't care, and maybe I should. Or maybe I love something a little way, a little bit too much and I need to get rid of it. But see, his goal, well, let me just, I'll say this. Just think about that. What needs to change in your life? What needs to change so that you are working towards the same goal as God, as the same goal as the author? And his goal is the the restoration of all things. And that's where the biblical story is going, right? It's where all of our stories are going. It's where your character is going. Your identity is going. Your calling is going. Your work is going. It's all going towards the biblical story's ending, which is redemption. No, restoration, right? Restoration. You are made in the image of God, and his goal is the restoration of all things. And that's where the biblical story is going. And so my question is, will you use your labor or your work, will you use your labor to work towards the same goal? Not your goal, his goal. Being a fruitful community that brings glory to God for his goodness. In all of our stories. And we do that together. Let me pray. Father, thank you, that, <laughs> thank you that you use imperfect people to preach your perfect word. Thank you that you are loving and kind and care so much about us that you would include us in your story when you didn't have to. Thank you that you're in control of all things and yet you are still good. Thank you that you can use the things in our past that are painful to bring healing and to show us our true calling. We thank you, we praise you, and we want to continue worshiping you this morning. Amen.